Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church Extras podcast based on the Matthew series with your host, Senior Pastor John Sauer. This is episode four. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge Extras. I'm Pastor John, the Senior Pastor of Stonebridge Community Church. And Stonebridge Extras is a podcast series where we try to look a little more closely at the scripture passage that we are studying. During this season, we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' instructions in Matthew 5 through 7. And the Sermon on the Mount, we're looking both at what Jesus says in it, but then also looking at the way it has been received. And in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking more closely in Stonebridge Extras at the types of issues that the Sermon on the Mount will raise for Christians, the challenges that this teaching presents, and the way in which this teaching from Jesus can make our lives more complicated, more difficult, not easier, not simpler, but force us to decide what is actually important for us. So, this week, the topic I wanted to focus on is the idea of separatism. And let me just explain what separatism is. Separatism is when a group of people decide that they need to separate from a larger group. Something happens, some sort of disagreement And they separate. And they believe that by separating, they are made more pure. They are made better. That this will be better for them than by remaining to the larger group. Separatism is usually at the root of almost every denomination that has ever been established in the United States. We look around at our church landscape in this country and there is a very divided church. Because along the way, somebody said that they had to separate from others. What's interesting, though, is when you look at communities that have separated, usually they'll say it's about some surface-level issue, but you can see patterns to the denominational splits and the separations that have taken place. The way that these separations happen, you can see patterns to it. So whatever the surface level issue is, some have said that they would separate over women's ordination. Some have said that they would separate over all sorts of different things. The way communion is practiced, the way baptisms happen. You can see the surface level issue, but that's usually not actually the issue. At root, the issue is separatism. And with the Sermon on the Mount, There have been any number of Christian communities that have separated from other Christians because of the way that they wanted to follow the Sermon on the Mount. And it raises this issue of when is it okay to separate? When do we separate? When do we go off and do our own thing? It also raises the issue too of is it possible to follow the Sermon on the Mount and not separate from other Christians who don't follow it in the same way that we do? Is it possible to take Jesus' instructions seriously 
and not create a barrier between ourselves and other Christians that aren't taking it seriously in the same way that we're taking it. That's one of the challenges that the Sermon on the Mount has presented in the church's history. And I'm going to jump back now to the Reformation, because in the Reformation is where I think you really see this happen. Martin Luther and John Calvin, they were arguing against really kind of two different large groups. And, and this is very uh, big picture here. I'm painting with a very broad brush. But on the one hand, Calvin, Luther, the other reformers, they were arguing against the pre-Reformation church, what we would call the Catholic church. That was large, it was institutional, it had a lot of power, and it was established. But then, Calvin and Luther were also arguing against what's been called the Radical Reformation. These groups get termed Anabaptist. And not all Anabaptists fall under the Radical Reformation um, title. And not everyone in the Radical Reformation was an Anabaptist. But there is a lot of overlap there. And they get termed that. It's important to keep in mind that Calvin and Luther and the other Reformers their intent was not to separate from the larger church. When they began the Reformation, the intent was to reform the church, not to create new denominations. So oftentimes you'll hear people when they want to separate from other Christians, when they want to create a division, they will say, oh, well, the reformers separated, so we have to also, and that's just not the way it played out. Calvin and Luther, their, their initial desire what they began was attempt to reform the church, they ended up getting kicked out of the institutional church. And it wasn't until they were kicked out that they started setting up separate institutions. And later on, they didn't really have a lot of regret about not being part of the larger institutional church, but they did not set out trying to separate. When you get to the Radical Reformation, they did try to separate. In fact, they did separate. And a lot of the reasons that the Radical Reformation became so radical was because of an extremely literal interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount. Something that I'm arguing we should wrestle with more. So this Radical Reformation, it did cause splintering and it caused more church division. It also caused some fairly unhealthy practices. Because here is the real issue with separation and with the desire to separate institutionally. More often than not, at its core, the desire to separate is about power. And it's about people breaking off from a larger group because they want to have more power. They want to have more control. And they don't have that. And in the Radical Reformation... These groups, they separated largely because they didn't really feel like they were part of the Reformation anymore. Now, some of it came about because they felt that the Reformers were compromising too much, that they wanted to get even deeper into Scripture and take it even more literally, and the Reformers weren't really doing that, that the Reformers were basically still approaching it like the Catholic Church did in their day. But there were other groups here where there was really no principle. Some, frankly, cultish 
groups broke off here in the Radical Reformation. But they would claim the Sermon on the Mount. So this is an issue that I wanted to just address here in Stonebridge Extras. This idea of separating and of using the Sermon on the Mount as a reason to separate and to cut off either interpersonal relationship or institutional relationship because other Christians aren't following the Sermon on the Mount in the same way that you or I might think it should be followed. I want to say that I don't think the Sermon on the Mount in and of itself forces us to separate from anybody else. I want to be clear about that. The Sermon on the Mount lays out a way of living life. And if you follow it, naturally, inevitably, there will be some distance between you and people who aren't following it. That's going to happen naturally because this way of life that Jesus lays out, it's just different. It's going to challenge people who do have a lot of power in society. Because the way of life that Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount, as I've said in sermons, it's not like anything that has come before it or has come since. The idea of going the extra mile, of turning the other cheek, the Beatitudes at the beginning, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, this is a different way of living life. And if you follow it, you will be different than the people around you. But different does not mean separate. And that's where we have to draw some lines, I believe. The point of the Sermon on the Mount isn't that we would follow it and then become self-righteous and be able to look down on the people who aren't following it. And that, doesn't, that didn't happen down the line in the Radical Reformation, but it did happen. And the Sermon on the Mount became an excuse to look down on other believers. The separate separation that took place became a way of identifying that these other people were less pure than the people who separated were. We have to warn against that. Jesus' ministry was not one where he pulled all of his disciples out into the desert and built a commune out in the desert. Jesus had his disciples going from town to town, city to city, engaging with people. Jesus regularly interacted with the Pharisees. He regularly interacted with the Sadducees. He interacted with the people running the temple. He didn't completely separate. Because the point of Jesus' way of living life here in the Sermon on the Mount was to distinguish his disciples from the rest of the world. But if the people who follow the Sermon on the Mount isolate and separate themselves from everybody else, then they're not actually distinguished from them anymore. They're completely separate from them, and nobody gets to see the life that Jesus calls us to being lived out. And that's a problem. Jesus gives us these instructions not so that we separate and then look down on the people we separated from, but he gives us these instructions so that we can put on display the way he wants us to live life, which for me means 
being in regular relationship with people who think differently than I do. Being in actual friendships with people who don't think the Sermon on the Mount should be upheld. I think that the way of life that Jesus calls his people to, calls his disciples to, is one where we take Jesus' words seriously and we stay in relationship with people who don't. So, I am not a fan of separatism. I'm not a fan of new denominations splintering off. I don't think God's church needs to be even more divided than it already is in our country. And I still don't really know when the world has ever been better because a small group of Christians separated from a larger group of Christians. I, I don't know when that has actually made anything better in human history. Jesus doesn't call us to go off by ourselves. He doesn't call us to take our ball and go home. And the Sermon on the Mount, it can never become an excuse for self-righteousness. And that may sound obvious, but it happens. It happens a lot. We can start thinking that because we take this seriously, we're better than somebody else. And that's not the point. It's not to be better than anybody else. You take Jesus' words seriously so that you can help other people have hope. Hope that there is a better way to live life. Hope that there's more than just what we see. Hope that what Jesus said was true. Hope that resurrection will take place. The Sermon on the Mount is a tool for giving people a glimpse of what they can hope for. It is not a reason for any of us to pat ourselves on the back, to look down on other believers, and to isolate ourselves from the broader culture, from other Christians, from anyone, really. So, if you ever go back and look at the history of the Sermon on the Mount and the way the church has received the Sermon on the Mount, you'll know that every once in a while, a community sparks up that wants to take this more radically than other people do. And not all the time, but fairly commonly, it creates a culture of self-righteousness, of looking down on other people. That needs to be rejected, I believe. So, as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, as you're studying it, take it seriously, but remember... This is not about you being justified. This is not about you being righteous. The Sermon on the Mount is not about you just feeling like you're following Jesus better than other people. The Sermon on the Mount, and taking it seriously, is for the purposes of modeling it to other people so that they can see who Jesus is. And we're all going to do that imperfectly. We're not going to do that completely, entirely, as we wish we could but the Sermon on the Mount should still be taken seriously. Look forward to talking with you all next week. God bless you.